See you again. Glad to have you back on the show. Have we decided on a name yet? I mean, I think so far we're, we're running with the uh, Summit Realty Group podcast. Okay, good. We'll <laughs> hammer that down one yeah, of these days. I can ask before I start the show. So um, we wanted to talk today a little bit more about like getting ready for winter because we had snow. I thought it was going to melt off. It seems unlikely that it's all going to melt off at this point. So the roads are looking good. The roads yeah. are at least good, but yeah, my yard's got a nice little frosting to it. Yeah, I'd love to have this to be able to, um, like, if anyone's moving here or anybody asks any questions, people can kind of just say, like, hey, this is like mostly what you're going to need to know to get ready for yeah. winter uh, in Fairbanks, because obviously Fairbanks is pretty harsh. Yeah. Um, if you don't know, we hit down to usually 40 below for a few weeks sometimes 50 below i think it peaks um, there though you know uh, our yeah. average temperature is probably negative 15 ish yeah through yeah. like december january february yeah the way i look at it is you have like eight months that are below 60 degrees like yeah. eight or nine months below 60 degrees and then you get maybe what do you think two or three months of 20 below ish january february yeah, yeah. i would yeah. say even in december i can go outside with a light jacket on yeah but yeah. january and february i'm wearing Wool socks, big mm -hmm. mittens, thick gloves. Yeah. So for those that are just moving to the area, they've not experienced winter. I think we should Welcome, start. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's the first thing. Is you really want to live here? Yeah. Test so number one. What 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 do you expect at each like degree level? I think right. most people are pretty used to we'll say zero. So like zero and above. Uh, you can get that anywhere in America. I mean, Texas yeah, exactly. hit zero degrees, believe it or not. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, that's pretty familiar. It's the below zero temperatures that mm -hmm. really make us famous. Yeah. Infamous. Infamous, yeah. Popular. We have a 40 below room that a lot of people go to, like tourism. In the middle of summer, yeah. On yeah. the Riverboat Discovery, uh, it was a nice tourist attraction we have here. They got then. a freezer <laughs> that they keep at negative 40 just so you can experience it. Yeah, so yeah. it's kind of inescapable. So zero above, yeah, everyone's pretty familiar with. I would say zero to negative 10 is pretty getting on the extreme level. I mean, you you definitely want puffy jackets at that point already. Down. I mean, Synthetic's fine. <clears throat> Nothing's yeah. wrong with synthetic jackets, if you don't know <clears throat> the difference. Uh, down is an uh, organic material, usually from goose feathers or some kind of a duck feather. Um, they do make synthetic versions of down now. Yeah. But it, it does retain the heat at almost two times of synthetic. So, the thing about synthetic, though, is it dries out quicker. So not a big concern here because we have a really dry winter. Mm -hmm. But uh, if you were in a wetter climate like uh, Washington, Oregon, you know, the, the uh, northwest there, then you definitely want to probably go with synthetics. But they're not as compressible. So the good thing about a down jacket is you can really shove it into a bag about that big, keep mm -hmm. it in your truck, and if you need it, you just pull it out. Pause on that. We're going to have a truck section oh, or a man. car. <laughs> no, you're good. Get into it. Get yeah. ahead of myself. <laughs> so, yeah, you're, you're wearing jackets. Um, I think there's like two types of people. There's people that are going to wear shorts all winter because they're just tough as nuts in their head. I, I'm not that guy. Like, I think if you can be comfortable in the cold, you're going to enjoy the winter way, way more. Um, so depending on what you do for work and where you're going to be all the time, like even at zero and colder, a lot of times I wear under, uh, like long underwear, basically what people think, long under jokes, layers. Yeah. yeah, they... Do you have if, your typical cotton plaid red no <laughs> you would think so. butt flap no <laughs> so you want wool on those 100 yes. percent like there may be, yeah and if you're some people are allergic to wool very few people and i'm sure there's some synthetics but wool is like the most breathable it'll keep you cooler 
in like warm, like when we're sitting in the office, mm-hmm. so you don't get super, super sweaty. Um, so wool for that. And again, I would say like zero below, depending on what you do. I don't, I probably don't wear that until about 20 below, but we'll get to that. So anyways. Not sponsored by First Light, but they make a really nice <laughs> one that you can zip off without taking your pants off. Oh, really? They do. Underlayers? Underlayers. So it's long johns that have a zipper all the way from the top to the bottom. So instead of taking your shoes off, and then you just pull your pants down around the ankles, <laughs> zip them off. You're I like done. that. Yeah. I do like to get half naked in the office yeah. every now and again. Especially with but... that big window you got in your <laughs> yeah. office. Yeah. <laughs> it's a free peep show. <laughs> yeah, that, sure. That's our OnlyFans podcast. We'll, we'll tune in yeah. next week. We'll do that later. Uh, but anyways, like to keep it quick, I guess. Zero to ten, not too extreme. It's not bad. You want to have the right gear. Um, 20 down to 20 below. That's when I say like you can indefinitely be outside with the right gear. Yeah. Like you can do hiking, camping, everything down to 20 below. You can do it colder. So when I say that, I think most people are going to be people. fine the with 20 average below. average person. And then after 20 below and colder, it's kind of like short stints outside. I call it video game and TV show time. Like I like to be outside as much as possible. I call it hibernation. Yeah, but it's guilt-free time where like, all right, it's 35 below out. I'm just going to play a video game. And I like, I don't feel the need to go out and ride a four-wheeler or a snow machine or anything like that because it's just really tough to stay warm. That's the best time to go trapping. <sighs> I don't know about that. <laughs> I don't know about that. You know what it is good for is, we talked about this last time, is the Chena Hot Springs. Yes. If you, 20 below is the perfect temperature. Yes. 40 below and stuff is still probably a little too cold. You got to dunk your head under the warm water every now and again. And then it freezes on your face. Yeah, exactly. Especially so, these beers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, got icicles hanging from them. Yeah, so... After negative 20, you get that nice uh, situation where you walk to your car and when you breathe, your nostrils stick to the inside. That's something that most people haven't experienced until they come up here. Yeah, the vapors in your nose and stuff, the moisture up there instantly like starts crystallizing. Um, Of course, you've probably... It's not painful. No. Well, it can be. (laughs) You stay up there long enough. But like from your house to the car, it's not painful. You just kind of feel a crunchiness in your nose. Um, people have probably seen, um, the, like at 40 below, you can throw hot boiling water into the air and before it hits the ground, it's pretty much all vaporized. It goes yeah, into... Yeah, everybody puts in a coffee mug and then throws it over their head. Yeah. And it vaporizes before it hits them. Before, yeah, exactly. I have seen people try to do that too soon. Yeah, and then you just and get... And they get scolding boiling <laughs> hot water on your face. <laughs> Zero degrees is not Make the time. sure it's negative 25 <laughs> or more before you do your TikTok, because otherwise you will be in the emergency <laughs> room. <laughs> You'll get more views if you scold yourself. <laughs> just funny some videos yeah oh, wait, um, we're too old for that i don't know it's just tiktok now yeah <laughs> <laughs> so i'm trying to think of anything like i think that's pretty similar so what do we do going into like winter preparation yeah. like right now what should people be doing with their vehicles their houses anything you can and it's of? perfect timing because this is actually what i did started last weekend and what i'm doing this weekend mm-hmm. so really i'm just taking everybody through my checklist and then your house is a little bit different, so you have other things you're looking at. Mm-hmm. So you can give that perspectives too. So um, right now, Blake's a little bit more rural. I'm a bit more urban. I'm still out of city limits, but you know, uh, I got city water hookups, so my well isn't a concern. Like at your house probably is. Mm-hmm. So um, the first thing I think everyone should do is stake their property. And I posted something on Facebook earlier this week and Instagram and all that stuff. And, and a lot of people are like, what do you mean by staking your yard? Well, our snow, unlike the lower 48, where it snows, melts, snows, melts, we pretty much get snow, and the first one or two during the summer, or during this time of year, you're like October, summer, right? Yeah. It will, it, it will kind of go away. <clears throat> but I'd say anything after November 1st, that's staying until Easter. For those of the people who don't know, like, how much snow do we get? Because are we, like... And so that's where last year skewed our own numbers. Mm-hmm. Normally, we get between two and three feet. It's a very modest you know, uh, accumulation of snow. Mm-hmm. Last year was kind of record-breaking. It goes back a couple of decades since we had this much snow. Yeah. So I would say uh, last year we got about five feet total. 
with compression it never got more than four actual feet but it was five feet of accumulation so um yeah three feet uh and so with three feet like depending on where your riser pipes are for your septic system you know we do leave them out of the ground so we can identify them but some people trim them down in fact i even went flush with the ground so i can drive my lawnmower over them mm -hmm. um so if you did that you definitely want to put some stakes next to them so if you have any septic issues in the winter you're not paying the septic steam company to dig up your entire backyard of snow to figure out where it's at. Mm -hmm. um, so stake those, get a nice four foot pole, maybe a five foot pole, stick it right where those uh, septic tank and leach field uh, access points are. And that way you know where that's at. Same thing with your well. And I would even go as far as to say, you're gonna plow your driveway or snow blow your driveway. So mm -hmm. might as well go ahead and stake the perimeter of your driveway as well. Mm -hmm. um, funny story about last two years ago, my daughter was backing out of her driveway didn't see where the driveway ended, kind of went off into the snow a little bit, a tire went off the driveway and she got stuck mm -hmm. in my flat driveway. Yeah. So um, that, so little tips like this are all gonna avoid that. So yeah. tip one, I would say stake your yard. Would you agree with that? Do you go out and do that? Yeah, I think as far as people driving off the roads, it's easier than you think because everything's white. And so you're Everything. looking in the your road. like rear view mirrors and even if you have cameras, which everybody has now, like it all kind of starts looking the same. Mm -hmm. So that is like not an embarrassing thing to do. No, I got- Everybody does it. Yeah, I get stuck all the time. We go to a lot of different places mm -hmm. for real estate. So I expect to get stuck again and we'll talk a little bit about that. That's the last bit. tip I got. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Truck or car kit. Yeah, yeah so. Anyways, but no, uh, I do not stake my yard, so this is kind of new for me. So okay. I might want to, I do, um, I keep my wellhead completely cleared out because every now and again you do need to get um, to your, which you don't have a well. Right, um, anymore. Anymore, yeah. So most places around here, unless you're in cities, you're going to have a well, um, you're going to have a septic tube, that's a different conversation. Um, but yeah, no, that's, <clears throat> that's okay. perfect. Go so ahead. staking your property is number one. The second one is more of an internal maintenance tip, and a lot of people don't understand this either, but removing the screens from your window. Mm. So here in Alaska, every window that opens usually has a mosquito screen or a bug screen in it. Usually they're on the interior of the windows, mm -hmm. sometimes they're on the exterior of the windows. Um, if you have an exterior screen, not as big of a concern, but on the interior screens, uh, we produce a lot of humidity in our houses. Every time you open up the dishwasher, you boil some pasta, take a shower, wash your face, any of that stuff, you're creating humidity. Mm -hmm. So in the winter, you really want to use your exhaust fans, your bath fans. If your house has an HRV or uh, fresh 80s, you want to start using those pretty regularly. Um, but the reason why you want to remove those screens is, believe it or not, the little porous mesh in those screens will trap humidity between the screen and the glass. Mm -hmm. And then what happens when that humidity becomes stagnant, that window is negative 20 degrees, mm -hmm. it's going to start freezing and creating ice along the bottom of your windows. Mm -hmm. Not a major concern if you can address it early. But if you let it go all winter, that ice starts penetration down into the seals mm -hmm. and you can start popping your vinyl and your wood causing mold decay and all that stuff so if you really want to take care of your windows which are really expensive here in Alaska mm -hmm. um, definitely remove your screens use that air circulation to prevent the frosting of your windows so what do you think the percentage is I have an idea of people that accumulate some kind of frost in their window sills. this isn't a real statistic completely making this oh, up oh yeah no, but I mean totally. I would say 90% of houses yeah say, I, I, maybe more maybe yeah. more I yeah. would say almost 100% it's almost I mean because think about it. Humidity, just breathing, yep. you're releasing humidity. <clears throat> just sweating, right? Yes, mm -hmm. it's on your skin, but eventually it evaporates, now it's in the air, and yeah. it's gonna wanna go to the coldest spots. Mm -hmm. Coldest spots in your house are gonna be your windows, because mm -hmm. glass is the least insulated, even triple, quadruple pane windows mm -hmm. are gonna be colder than a wall filled with insulation. Yeah. Especially here where we have six to eight inch walls. Yeah. Um, then the next thing would be your studs, because the insulation is in between those studs, and so if you uh, have a fireplace in your house, right, um, and you light that thing and let's say you open it up and smoke comes out, that smoke will stick to your studs. You'll actually get these little black lines hmm. um, if you don't 
use your fireplace correctly. Yeah. And that just proves where that cold spot is because it's all being attracted to the coldest spot, which is the stud. I don't think you need, I'm going to disagree with you. Um, I don't think the blackness comes from the smoke. I think it comes from the mildew. From just the same as... I got some inspectors. You, okay, okay. Because even if you don't have a fireplace, you can have that same stud marking. Yeah. There, yeah. There's numerous things that can cause that. Okay. Um, and uh, most of the time, it's actually um, off-gassing from your boiler. Hmm. And so if you have a boiler in the house, when some of them are in the basement, some of them are in a utility room, some of them are in the garage. Okay. But if you look at where you're starting to see these lines the most, it's going to be that's in the rooms true. with your fireplaces. Yeah. And rooms with your boiler. And this is something that's going to break a lot of people's hearts, but even candles can create those. Yeah. So uh, I've seen houses that have a propane boiler, which yeah. doesn't have any off-gassing, no fireplace, and they still have those stud marks. And when you walk through the house, it's because they have a candle in every corner. Yeah. Trying to keep that, you know, ambiance, that, that wintertime feel mm -hmm. going. Keeping yeah. the place smelling good because yeah. it's airtight. And those candles can even create those soot marks. Yeah. So the... Mildew is going to be a bigger problem in the bathrooms. Yeah. Because people aren't getting rid of the humidity there. And it's a smaller room usually. And so in the attic, you'll start... Or not attic, but on the ceiling. Yeah. you start seeing those speckles of mildew. And that's just humidity accumulating on the ceiling because you, nobody wants to use that bath fan and listen to that, mm. that noise. So the biggest help to any kind of humidity, frost buildup, anything that is airflow. Like if you had moving air on the worst window, mm -hmm. uh, this you, may yeah. not be right. You probably wouldn't have frost. But the, the thing is, is most windows are inset with a sill. Right. And so any, like even if you put your fans in reverse, if people don't know that, you yes. put your ceiling fans in reverse, it blows air up and it makes like a big shell that moves air in this right. kind of manner in a room. Whereas um, in the summer, you want it the other way, so it pushes the heat yep. down and exactly. creates the opposite where the heat comes back up. Yeah, exactly. So um, you can reverse those, everybody, if you didn't know. But most of the times, you're getting, you're making this shell, and then your window is sitting in the sill, and it doesn't get any of that airflow. So if you have a really bad problem with it, and you're like, what can I do? Um, you can put a little fan blowing right on the window, and it will help. A dehumidifier will help too, because once again, yeah. this is all humidity. Yeah, true, true. Uh, but yeah, yeah most people are like, "Well, I'm paying for this heat. Why would I turn on a fan?" Yeah. So it, it, it is counterproductive, and that's why without something like us right now sharing this information, most yeah. people don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm excited to get to the wood stove stuff. Yeah. Um, so I have I have a wood stove. Do you have a wood stove? I have or? a gas stove. Okay. Okay. So so we'll talk through two different perspectives. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. are you? Let me. We'll talk about that on its own. But yeah. are you done with wood? Yeah, I think okay. the glass, though, the screen, that, like I said, simple one so far. Yeah. We're staking the yards. We're removing window screens. Yep. So the only things I would add to the house side of it is a lot of places have heat tape. Mm -hmm. um, so I have a cabin that is up on post on pad, which is what most people think of stilts, but it's not like that tall or anything. Yeah, you're looking at like six inches. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a little area that I'm up. It Mine is not closed in. It's open. And so we have plumbing that goes down into the ground and stuff. But anyways, there's spans that are insulated, but still like it's 40 below. So I have heat tape that keeps my... Um, and just so, for anybody who doesn't know, heat tape is basically oh, yeah. an extension cord that you plug in that gets warm. It gets up to about 65 degrees, so there's no <laughs> fire hazard. Yeah. <laughs> there's no fire hazard, but it gets 65 degrees, and it's intentional. You wrap it around your plumbing that's exterior, yeah. and you, that's something that's permanently installed in the house. That's not yeah. something where you actually go out there, dig it up, and wrap it around. The, yes. And then all you do in the winter, right about now, is you plug it in so it starts getting warm. Or a lot of people have switches if they were... Some of them are yeah. wired into electrical panels, and yeah. some of them are permanently plugged into a switch. Yeah. So there are different versions. you got to identify mm -hmm. it in your own house. But that is a must throughout the winter because you don't want to, you know, freezing pipes, 
uh, freezing pipes with water can expand and burst, and now yep. all of a sudden, you know, it's not the freezing issue, it's the loss of water issue. Yeah, the best issue is to build houses that don't need um, heat tape. Yep. So most of the time, heat tape is a secondary thing. It's not always, some people add it right from the beginning. It's depending on the situation, like holding tanks always yeah. need it. But a lot of times it's like, ah, our um, P-trap for our bath, that's actually where mine is. It's just cold enough and that water just sits there. At the very bottom, just enough. Yep, freezes it solid and then our bath won't drain. You know, so it's that's the only... And then you run some hot water and it thaws up. Yeah, and then it will exactly. Go, but you got to back up in the meantime. Yeah, right? yeah, it's a whole thing. So anyways, turning on heat tapes is a big one. And um, for the, those of you on city water, there's a circ pump. It's the little red mm -hmm. pumps that they have in between the incoming and outgoing line for your city water main. Yeah. And so in the summer, you can unplug that too to save electricity. But in the winter, yeah. you want to keep that water moving because water moving water freezes at a lower temperature mm -hmm. than static water does. And pressurized water. Too. And pressurized water. Yeah. So a lot of times they'll keep pressure in between the house. Um, anyways, let's not get too into that. We're not any kind of professionals. <laughs> so, not when it comes to plumbing. Nope. No, so um, I think the so the house is obviously a big one, and that's you know yeah. we do real estate. But the um, hardest part. Okay, so back up. When I moved here, I was not driving yet. I was young, and I thought these winters are not that bad. Like it's cold, yes, but when you start driving, the stress of winter I think is exponentially more because the. I think so. Your your car is, of course, a big part of your life, and so is your house. Uh, and if your boiler goes out, that's obviously a huge nightmare. But your car is how you get places. Get that one too. Yeah, and it's um, and anyway. So what are the ways that we're gonna keep do the best we can to keep our cars running through the winter and to s literally stay alive? Because again, we kind of are maybe downplaying at forty below, you can die very quickly. Yeah. Uh, if you hypothermia have no, can happen at fifty degrees. Yeah, exactly. It's so a if you lot get wet, quicker. especially, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, it's a nightmare. So it's it's one of those things that people are, and we're in a very rule area you can drive 20 minutes break down maybe you never see anybody and this doesn't happen that i don't want to be like a total fear monger or anything but like legitimately it likes these days come on yeah it's a concern so anyways so first off how do what do we do like right now getting ready for winter what are you doing with your vehicles? so last week i took off my summer tires and put on my winter tires i think that's number one studs versus studless I use studless. Uh, Blizzax this year, I've always used to always do all-terrain tires. Um, I've realized that they're they're decent in the winter, but a actual dedicated winter tire is exponentially better than that. Studded tires are great, but they're going to wear down. You're going to replace them almost annually because those studs do wear down, like right now, because we're still driving on asphalt. Yeah. Especially if you do a lot of highway driving, your studs are going to wear down. Mm -hmm. If you're just in the backcountry driving on dirt roads, what we call hard pack, and maybe that's something we should back up to. Um, <laughs> yeah. A lot of people think that, you know, it's Alaska, we should be on top of our plowing. And we are. We do an amazing job plowing snow here. We have huge depositories that create like an Everest-type mountain of just snow that we remove from the roads. Mm -hmm. But in the neighborhoods, we just scrape the roads down to the hard pack is what we call it. So you're driving on snow and ice. Mm -hmm. um, you won't see the blacktop unless you're on a major road or a highway. Yeah. All your residential roads, all your dirt roads, all of that is just pure hard pack snow. Hard pack is not as slick as ice. Though. Not as slick as ice. Yeah. It's sticky, actually. It's the opposite. It's, mm, it's stickier especially it's cold. <laughs> because it's cold. And that yeah. humidity is sticking to it. And your tire, the rubber, and the friction yeah. creates a little bit of a stick. That being said, though, the one thing I always harp on for everybody to be safe is when you're going to make a 90-degree turn, come to a complete stop, and then do your 90-degree turn. A lot of people are in a rush. In the winter, you just got to slow down. Yeah. You want to have that island mentality, mm -hmm. right? You want to slow down, take your time, come to a stop, take your 90-degree turn. Because there's been so many times, even personally, where I'm just like, oh, I'm just doing 25. I can roll a nice 90-degree turn. And then my car keeps going kind of at an angle instead of doing a 90-degree, and now I'm in a ditch. Mm -hmm. um, and once you're in a ditch, you ain't back, and you're not pumping it in reverse and coming out. You, no. You're getting a tow truck, or some lucky Alaskan's going to come by with a tow strap and yank you out. Yep. And that does 
things to your frame that you don't always want either. Yeah, it's yeah, getting stuck in the snow. So I got stuck three times last year. Um, once, Twice for me. Yeah. yeah, once was right the first snow. I was going into a driveway and I was like, oh, this is. It was literally the wrong house, and I just slid the whole way down. I was up in the hills. No so cell phone service. American truck instead of one of those Japanese. <laughs> yeah, actually, it was like, a toy I didn't have I didn't have my uh, winter tires on that either. So and my summer tires are not altering. They're like legit summer. Like I don't even know. I hate uh, touring tires. I don't know why I have them. Uh, they came with the truck. They're That's free. why. Yeah, they're free. Yeah, they're free. So anyways, I slid all the way down to the bottom of his driveway, and luckily it was the first snow. The guy comes out. He's like, yeah, we did the same thing. And again, it was the wrong house. So it was in the morning on Saturday, whatever it was. And he's like, well, here's a pick. And so I had to pick my way down to the gravel on my tire tracks. Um, I don't want to say a quarter mile. It wasn't that long, but it felt like forever. I was there for like two hours. My clients were waiting on me to see the house that was actually across the street. Anyways, um, I got stuck in a driveway, flat driveway in the city. And... Uh, another one was a, a downhill driveway. So down, going downhill into something is the worst case scenario. If you question it, which both times that I did that, I was like, should I be doing this? And you should not. If you think that to yourself, just park at the top and walk and walk down. Like it's way better. If you're going up to something and it's slick, I always give that a shot. I, average, I can just slide my way back. Your down. average toe costs 150 bucks and it's <laughs> a two-hour wait. Yeah, that one was a Sunday. It was mm-hmm. 350. Yeah. The, the third one. And you was. probably waited more than two hours. Uh, they were pretty quick. Okay, uh, yeah, but still. And uh, anyways, clients got stuck. It was a whole thing. Um, I got stuck last year on a power line because there was a house that didn't really have a road access. It was like a power line trail mm-hmm. access. Yeah. And it was a uh, pregnant lady, her husband, me, oh, two different vehicles. Yeah. And the road was hard packed, but it was so steep and icy that literally we drove up and then the car would stop. And yeah. it would bounce. And so I had to back up. And we tried to just get momentum, taking turns, getting these cars up there. Yeah. Didn't work. We wound up waiting six hours. Yeah. Because we're all the way out there on Murphy Dome Road. That sucks. That's and then, honestly, I got, I got stuck at your listing at Waller uh, last year. Oh, it was during breakup, so it was yeah. a little bit later. It was more of springtime. Yeah. But a uh, flat dirt road. Yeah. I'm driving down it. It really hasn't been plowed in a while because not a lot of people live back there. And uh, my tires just kind of spun. Oh, spun and sucks. spun. <laughs> and, uh, that feeling is really bad. Yeah. And I'm, like, on a road. I'm not off into a ditch or anything. I'm just literally yeah. in the middle of a road. Yeah. Stuck. And I had to have a buddy come with a bobcat. And he hooked his bobcat, truck. my truck up to chains on bobcat, and his little, his little bobcat's really pulling me a quarter mile back the road so yeah. I get traction again, oh, and then I were up to back yeah. up. Yeah, this was uh, that might have been two years ago. But oh, okay. That was probably one where I'm like, I got stuck on a flat road <laughs> with a big old truck. What's the point of me having this big old truck? Yeah. Okay. Here's work. a misconception. Okay. I hundred percent people I think think in their head that a truck is the best for snow like driving, and I one hundred I think it may I would be say the an worst. SUV. SUV's got to be the best. I think an SUV's the best. You got the weight, weight distribution. Yep. You got a heavier back end. Um, you know, they're all four wheel drive, so yep. that really doesn't matter. But the truck is so light on the back. All the engine, the cab, everything's in the front, yep. and you do a four wheel drive. But unless you have a holding tank full of water in the back, a fuel mm-hmm. transfer, or just bags of sand and gravel, uh, and a lot of people just take their uh, bed toppers off their trucks in the winter, let it fill up with snow if they park outside. If you're mm-hmm. in your garage, that's an awful idea. All that snow will melt and flood your garage. <laughs> uh, but people will literally let the bed of their truck fill up with snow. They'll pack it down, just get a couple extra hundred pounds back there to, to mm-hmm. put some more pressure on it. Yeah. Um, so since we're talking about trucks and all stuff, let's get into yep. winterization a little bit. Yep. So there's really some key things you need to do here. And a lot of people get their cars winterized in lower 48 and they have to re-winterize when they come here because Alaska is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. So my suggestion is going to somewhere here and having them do it in Alaska. Um, obviously, you want certain kind of oils and fluids, antifreezes in your car to make sure that you're good to that negative 20, 30, 40 degrees. Then there's heating pads that you want to install. So at a minimum, you want a heating pad on your transmission pan and your oil pan. Um, 
when you're parked outside for long periods of time, those oils get thicker when they get colder. They don't freeze per se, but they get thicker. And when you turn on your engine, it's trying to suck the sludge through your engine. Eventually, it will heat up, and that's why you see everybody preheating their cars. Mm -hmm. But without having it plugged in and keeping that stuff semi-viscous, mm -hmm. um, you could do some damage to your, your oil pumps, your filters. Well, what happens to oil at 40 below is it gets really thick like really syrup. Really thick. Yeah, so there's lighter weight oils, and I've been seeing, and I'm no car guy, but it seems like most modern cars are kind of recommending uh, lighter weights yep. now, which is nice. So I don't change, like I have a zero weight, 20 I think, in my truck, and I don't, so I don't do a different I do for... year round the same oil. That's what I mean. But I do oil, winter oils. I don't move to a, a conventional or something different in the summer. I use yeah. the same one all the time, yeah. but they are rated for those negative temperatures. Yeah, I should probably check mine. Yeah. That's okay. But yeah, so it gets really thick. So I've heard some folks say like warming up your car is a myth. And I think they're talking about the lower 48. Like you don't need to warm up your car to go drive. Some people like in the winter when it's 20 degrees are like, you know, car people like, oh, I'll let my car warm for 30 minutes in the driveway before I go. Like, I think I that's a bit that, excessive too. I don't think that's a thing. But I think eight to 10 minutes is fine. Most of your auto starts are about eight minutes long. Mm -hmm. um, if you're in a garage, please do not start your car. <laughs> I mean, that's borderline suicide. Um, if you're in a driveway, same thing. If you start your car, maybe don't crack open your bedroom window and let all those exhaust fumes get into your house. Mm -hmm. um, but then again, why would you have your window open in negative 20? Yeah. Way. Yeah. Waste when do you, okay, so you winterize, so you have these heaters on there. That's the plug that you see sticking out. No, we're not done yet. Oh. So that's only part of it. So you have your, your two heating pads that I talked about. Right. You have your fuels. You should have a block heater. And that's the, the one that comes from the factory. It's really hard to install after the fact, but they can. And there's yeah. always parts and, and the mods and upgrades you can do. But a block heater as well. And that's going to prevent your block from cracking because it's negative 20. You turn it on, it starts combusting with fire inside the engine. And all of a sudden, you're cracking your engine block. So that one's really important. But that's usually factory installed. Mm -hmm. Then you need something to address your battery issue. Everybody knows if batteries get cold, they get sapped of their, their, their power. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to go outside, expect to go to work, and your car won't turn over. Mm -hmm. So I recommend a trickle charger. You can get one for 25 bucks, and basically that just shocks your battery throughout the night when you have it plugged in, and it just keeps that battery charged. And that mm -hmm. way in the morning you have a full load. Other people want to go a little bit cheaper, but it's only about $20, so there's about a $5 difference here, and it's a battery blanket. And basically it's just a little heating pad on your battery. Mm -hmm. I think those are worthless, personally speaking. Yeah. But you take all of those components, you wire them into a three or four prong splitter that then has that little tail that comes out the front. And so mm -hmm. when you park at Walmart, most employers that have you there all day long, the military bases both have um, plugs at almost every parking spot. Mm -hmm. um, and then your house all have these plugs built into the exterior of the home, mm -hmm. right around the garage area or the front door area. Yeah. And so all you do is take an extension cord and plug it in. My recommendation, because it doesn't need to be plugged in all the time, unless you really want a really high electric bill, is putting that on a timer. Mm -hmm. So maybe 30 minutes on, 30 minutes off. And a timer, uh, if you don't know, is it just tells when to get power. So right. you can set, and there's all kinds of timers, but usually it's like, hey, I know I'm going to leave the morning at 8 o'clock every morning. So at 6 o'clock, it's, it's the on. power is going to come on. And I, I think two hours is sufficient to be plugged in. I don't know if that's a yeah. legit thing. That's what I do. Um, so I keep it on two hours before. I usually, when it's 40, 20 below and colder, I let my truck run for 20 minutes because I like to be warm mm. when I get in there. I don't think it needs to be that long exactly, but <clears throat> auto starts, you said, mm. if you don't know what auto start is, I mean, I think most things are coming Newer out with them now. 
Um, but yeah, so if you but they have, have old ones that you can build into them. Yeah, so you can add you can add any of these things on. Uh, we just winterized my wife's car, and it was I want to say it was like six hundred bucks for everything that we for just everything about. for everything. And you can um, really do it yourself on Amazon for one hundred twenty five bucks. Yeah, like, I worry about the block. I think you have to drill the block. The block, like I said, should yeah. be factory. <laughs> I would not do a block heater myself. Yeah. So, but yeah, if you know what you're doing, you can figure that stuff out. Um, and then auto start. So we're getting auto start for her car. We bought it down in Anchorage, which mm-hmm. doesn't get cold enough, I guess, for auto starts and winterization. But um, same state, same next state, ta- next town over. No, that's why these <laughs> things are kind of so strange. Is because it's like even in Alaska, you know, you get south enough, like you don't really do these things. Go to Juneau, you don't even see snow throughout the entire winter. No, yeah, it melts. You get a rain. You get a lot of snow there sometimes. You do get a lot of snow because <laughs> yeah. the, the, the the moisture content. Yeah, we're oh, really yeah. like Fairbanks is actually located in a desert, yep. if you will. Now it's not the Sahara. We don't have a lot of sand here, yeah. but it's a very dry climate. Yeah, Juneau. Very wet climate. Like rainforest, man. Anchorage yeah. is kind of in between those two. You got yeah. coastal climate, but you still are a little bit further north, so you have the Arctic climate as well. Yeah. So, anyways, so the auto start, all that is, if you don't have it already and you never heard of it, um, is it turns on your car for you. Push a button. A lot of them have an app um, nowadays. Depends on what you get. Mm-hmm. Um, you can start your car without having to go out, and you think, wow, that's so bougie. It's really, I mean, once you have it, you can't go back, man. It's go gonna, outside in your flip-flops <clears throat> and, and in your, your yeah. robe trying to turn your car Well, I was on. late here today because, again, now we're getting into the winter season. I go out to my truck and I'm like, oh, shoot. Now I've got to, like, I'm all frosted over. And, yeah, I probably could have scraped it. But I just started it and let it melt off for a little bit. Um, so, yeah, and, and I have an auto start that I just, yeah. I haven't paid. Um, I guess it lapsed at some point. Oh, yeah, I haven't put in my new credit card. Your subscription. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I have a subscription for mine. Yeah. So, but anyways. Um, okay, sorry. Yeah, go on. So you got the so those cars. Stuff. Yeah, and so that's that's oh. maintaining your vehicle so you can get to and from work so you can go get your wood, water, whatever in your living well, let's, situation. Let's pause because I get this question a lot is when should you be plugging in? So when you're at your house and you're going to leave and your car's been, car or truck has been sitting for a long time, of course, plug in before you go. Like I said, yeah. probably about two hours. If you were going to a friend's house and you're going to be there for like two hours, you're probably not going to plug in. I won't. If you're going to the grocery store and even you, I don't know why you. I'd want say to be overnight, there. or if I'm at a, if I'm at an office job for twelve hours. Yeah, day. and you'll kind of start to get a feel for it because there's different temperatures. Like at zero, like I'm probably not going to plug. I plug in at zero. That's kind of my. I've heard twenty degrees. They, they recommend, recommend fifteen above. Fifteen. Okay. Fifteen above. That's fifteen below. Seventeen below freezing. Yeah. Right. Um. So if you're looking at the billboards and the ads and the recommendations, <clears> fifteen <throat> above zero is when you want to start plugging in. Yeah. But again, I'd play with those timers. If 15 above, you don't need that timer running as often. At negative yeah. 20, I wouldn't just do the two hours before you leave. I would do a couple minutes, 30 minutes here and there throughout the night too, mm. just to make sure that they don't get too, uh, that uh, the oils don't get too thick. Yeah. And just help you yeah. throughout the day. But for the most part, if you're if you're working somewhere for eight hours, you got to be plugged in. I, I mean, say, yeah. you can start, there's, you can start it. And a lot cold. of people do that. They just go outside during their lunch break, let it run for a few oh, minutes. Oh, no, I just mean like you, you can set it all night. Oh, I forgot to plug it in. Let me just give it a shot. And it probably will be okay. Like it's going to sound pretty rough at first, but it's going to be fine. <laughs> okay, it's yeah. doing that long term is going to yeah, cause wear and tear on your pistons, idea. on your seals, on your gaskets, and you just don't want to do that. Yeah, and it feels very different. Even when you've let it, it's 40 below, you've let it warm up for 20 minutes. When you first start driving, it's like, my dad always called, it felt like you had a log in front of your truck yeah. that you're rolling down. Yeah. The, like, it's just like, you know. So, anyways, like a lot of people think they have to be plugged in. If their car is not running, they have to be plugged in. It's like, that's not the case right. for the most part. Um, but, yeah, like... Again, depending on the temperature, like I even here at the office, which we don't stay here eight hours, 
but I've I've been many times where it's been four, five, six hours, and it's you know yeah. I go ahead and just start it up. Well, since <laughs> we're on cars, what we yeah. can also talk about is emergency <clears throat> kits, and so yeah. this is more of a recommendation than kind of a must-have. But I, yep. I do think it is something that you'd be silly if you didn't have. Um, so emergency kit for me would be a little bit of food, a little bit of water, something that keeps inside of the cab. So a little dedicated bag and be a backpack. Mm-hmm. Throw an extra coat, some gloves, extra pair of socks in there in case you get wet, something like that. Maybe some hand warmers because mm-hmm. if you do wind up in that ditch and you got to wait for two hours, you may run out of gas, mm-hmm. right? So you can't keep the engine running. Depending on the angle that you're at, it might not be a good idea to run your car if there's any damage to the underneath of the body so of the I've, vehicle. I've got a wife and three kids. Mm-hmm. Um, at When winter hits, we don't let our gas get below half a tank. So with half a tank, we fill back up, which may seem excessive. Um, I would say it's smart. It's cautious. Yeah, it's cautious. I'm like, not anywhere it, there. I'm not thing that is zero. <laughs> at, at, like in the summertime, I'm a quarter tank guy usually. But yeah, half tank, I tell my wife, just swing by and fill up. You're going to be in town anyways. You know, yeah, maybe it takes a little extra time. So she almost always has, you know, half tank or better fuel. Uh, same for myself. And then the kids, anytime we go anywhere, um, same thing. We have winter, big winter gear in a big like duffel bag. And it mm-hmm. takes up a ton of space. Um, but again, if you like break down, it's 40 below, you've got a 30 pound kid that let's say the car breaks down and is not running, whether you have gas or not, you know, like you're going to do the best you can. So, um, you Definitely know, want the emergency kit. having the emergency kit, snacks are important. <clears throat> Those kids are going to scream and cry while you're yep. waiting for the tow truck. So yep, yep. think ahead, um, maybe a couple of road flares in there. Just make sure that somebody doesn't actually slide into you. You've probably seen just in case bags. Those are kind yep. of a nice yeah, starter. Little red one. They're, yeah. they're starter packs. They're yeah. very basic. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, all right. So other things, just because we need to keep rolling here, yeah. um, house internal, going back to homes, yeah. getting away from cars. Yeah. Um, boilers, wood stoves, mm-hmm. fireplaces, pellet stoves, and propane boilers. So getting your stuff serviced. I'd say right now it might be a little bit late. I think you really want to hit this up um, during hunting season, what lower 40 years call fall. Um, <laughs> you definitely want to go ahead and call one of those heating companies. Get them to service your boiler. You should do that annually anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about a 450 to 650 fee depending on your boiler, how bad it is, and all that stuff. They're going to go and clean it, service it, replace any parts that are damaged. That way throughout the winter, you're pretty much guaranteed that you have good, consistent heat. And yeah. That's the same for all of those propane, natural gas, Toyo. and oil, toil-based um, yeah. um, heaters. Propane and natural gas, you can probably do every two years because there's less soot that happens. There's less burn-off. Yeah, um, but you can definitely still stay on top of those because in the winter, if your boiler goes out, I mean, you're dealing with maybe 24 hours before your house starts freezing. Mm-hmm. And now you're looking at thousands, tens of thousands of dollars worth of damage versus yeah. a couple hundred bucks to get it tuned and cleaned. Mm-hmm. Um, wood fireplaces. I'm going to let you talk on this one because yeah. I have gas. I'm going to keep it short. I'm I have a remote. It. So first... We'll talk about wood a little bit, but if you can see, like, if you really want to burn, this is the greatest book. I've not read a lot of wood books, but Norwegian Wood, and I know that sounds crazy. I finished reading this book, and I literally, I sat there, and I thought, man, I think I'm just going to start again. Like, it was that, it was so good. So, it's kind of a, um, like, wood burning, if anybody has done it before, it's very much, like, if you like it, it's kind of this weird, passionate thing that you like to do. So, but back to, just kind of back it up, wood stove itself you definitely, once a year minimum, depending on how much you burn, once a year minimum, you're doing a chimney sweep. Yes. Uh, you could do it yourself if you figure it out, um, or you if can not, hire somebody. 250. It's yeah. 250 <clears throat> bucks to have somebody come out yeah. there and sweep it for you. I think, um, I went last year and I just did it once, and I think that was a bad idea. You start to notice some things. So what happens is if you burn wood that's not super dry, which uh, I did. Um, most people sh- think they can cut down a tree, split it, throw it in the fireplace. Yeah. It's got a cure for, what, six months? 
Uh, it depends. So read that book. But basically, it depends when you cut it, um, how, if you split it or not, if you um, cut it into rounds, if you've got it covered, if there's enough airflow. So it's it's like a bunch of stuff. Most people, what you want, to it. there's like a science. It's like the goal for me is to have it all cut by spring break. Have it all cut, chopped, split by spring break, and then it's going to be just wonderfully dry by the time it, it needs to burn. So that is probably six months. So whenever um, you split, but, you're splitting for the next season. So if, yes. if, if you're going yeah. into winter right now, if you're, you're hearing this and, and you you're have like, no I need to get wood, you're not going to cut down a tree and prep it. You're going to be buying wood from somebody yep. that's probably kennel cured. Yep. And then you're splitting wood this winter for next winter. Yeah, yeah. And you can, like, if you were to cut today, you could probably burn it next spring yeah. uh, time. But, yeah, it's again, it's a whole thing. Like, water, trees carry moisture at different times of the year. So if you cut a tree in February, it has very little moisture, so it dries quick. If you cut a tree right now, it's probably got a ton of moisture. So anyways, it's like all this stuff. And again, it's it's wonderful. It's beautiful in all of its ways. But yeah, you're cutting for the next year. Um, you need it to be dry. There is um, kiln dried wood here. It is like, it just sells out. Like anything up here, um, if you're just coming and you have no wood, like do the best you can, but have a backup source at this point. So I almost, like I probably burn 50 gallons of fuel a yep. year. Um, so I'm nothing. Which is nothing, yeah, I should That's say. That's a lot of wood they burn. Yeah, so I burned a ton of wood. I um, was burning about yeah. 800 gallons a winter. Yeah, so a house my size, if I didn't have the wood stove, would probably burn three to 400 gallons. So if that gives a range. So, um, but anyways, so if you burn wood that's not dry, it will put creosote in everything. Yep. And it puts it up the chimney stack. Creosote builds up, builds up, builds up. It makes a fire harder to breathe, for one. It's harder to start your fires. Everything's harder, and it causes chimney fires. Yep. That stuff lights up. It starts going, and your whole chimney's on fire. I haven't had that happen to me, but it's not a good thing. Like, your chimney will get bright red, um, which yep. is not... If you ever see, like, your chimney getting red in any manner, shut the shut thing the fire off. off. Yeah, like, something's going on. Um, it's not drawn right or whatever it is. Because most of the uh, chimneys, a lot of times, are double-walled. Um, mm. Well, I guess not in the house always, but... It depends. Yeah, <clears throat> anyways, so... So if you want more advice, go yeah. to uh, Blake's OnlyFans. It's called Number Sexual Sixty Nine. Yeah. We got wood. Uh, we got wood. <laughs> we got yeah. wood. Hashtag. We yeah. got wood. <laughs> we got wood. So, anyways, um, the only other thing I'll say is airflow. If you have, and this goes for Toyos, I would say in any kind of um, heat source that is in one spot of the house. Right. Um, so any boilers or radiant heat that's all throughout the house, it's like, hey, you don't have to like move it around as much. Um, if you have one thing that's causing heat in one place, you've got to move the air. So putting your fans into reverse makes a huge difference. So the heat comes down and you actually get to enjoy it. It's not all stuck up there if you have fans. <clears throat> and then reverse of what you think for if you are if you want to move hot air into a cold room, blow a fan from the cold room into the hot room. Yes, Okay. suction. Yeah, so it's obviously air, you can't create a vacuum. So it's going to fill it back in. Um, so anyway, so most people are like, I want to blow the hot air into this room. And it, it would work to a degree, I'm sure. I don't know what the difference is. But anyways, if you need to move air around, fans are your biggest thing. Mm -hmm. Any cold areas, usually these are in living spaces. And the, you want your rooms colder anyway. I, I prefer sleeping in a colder room. Yeah, so if it gets super cold, of course, that's the issue. Like I have my wood stove and my daughter's room gets like frigid. So we have a fan almost always when the fire is going, the fan is blowing. And it gets their room up to close enough. Right. So anyways. That's all I have to say. I have I a lot more think to say. But <laughs> we could go on. I'm going to cap it. <laughs> but I think that's it for today. So um, that's your basic tip. So in summary, we said stake your yard. Identify. Know where your stuff is at because when yeah. there's four feet of snow, it's going to be hard to find. Yeah. Winterize your vehicle. If you have any questions, contact an expert. Your, all of our local mechanics here offer winterization yeah. or tips for winterization. It's a common thing. <laughs> Very, every single vehicle yeah. should be winterized. Yeah. Um, 
If you have any kind of outdoor plumbing, your heat trace is important. Go ahead and get that going. Emergency kit in your vehicles. Servicing your heat-related appliances to keep them in tip-top shape. Mm -hmm. And then I think our last tip to surviving the winter here in Alaska is getting outside. Unless you're in that hibernation game phase, which I would say is January to about February. Well, proper clothes preparation, Mm -hmm. which we kind of talked about a little bit. And where you can be outside comfortably for however long. Right. Like if you're going to do something for an layers. hour. Yeah, dress in layers, like whatever it is. Because you can be out 20 below and if you're working, like it, it's not cold. It yeah. doesn't feel bad. I mean, you can't as have soon bare as you skin. Stop, yeah, yeah, then you're all sweaty. You're freezing. Yeah, so that's a whole nother subject. We'll get into, we'll get into outdoor <laughs> tips and things to do in Fairbanks during yep. the winter. But Blake, thanks again for taking the time today. Yeah. Um, everybody, thanks for tuning in. And if you like, please subscribe, press the plus sign, and we'll be back next week. See you. See you. Uh. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. Uh.